We're going to read today from John chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand there and we'll hand you a Bible. It'd be good to have it open in front of you. The Gospel of John chapter 12. If you were here last week, you, you remember we started a short series, an Easter series, and we spoke from the, the first few verses of John chapter 12. Uh, we're now just continuing on, on verse 12, and I'll refer a wee bit back to some of the previous verses as, as we go along. But we're going to start uh, by reading from verse 12 here. The triumphal entry. The next day, the great crowd that, that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this, Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So it's important to remember the context. We we read in those last uh, few verses there, there had been a a right commotion was happening as a direct result of a miracle that we spoke about in last week's service, about Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus. It was a miracle. It was a wonderful miracle, one of the many in which Jesus had performed in order to just demonstrate the fact that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The context as well was the the Passover festival in which three times a year Israelites were called to come into Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts of the Lord and this was a a pinnacle feast, the one of the Passover remembering when the Lord had delivered the people out of slavery in Egypt and there would be the sacrifice of the Passover lamb being sacrificed as 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 a covering for the people's sins. A great time of celebration. Jerusalem would have swelled to massive numbers. There's various debate over that of whether it's hundreds of thousands or thousands. But let's just suffice to say there were loads and loads of people in Jerusalem that wouldn't normally have been there. So there was a right commotion developing, a right kind of um, excitement developing as they came to celebrate the Lord, to worship him, to remember him. But not only that, there was a particular um, attention getting drawn to Jesus Not only because of the miracles that he was performing, but we'll see from this passage today, because of who the people were recognising that he was. They were seeing the signs of the coming Messiah that had been spoken about all the way through the Old Testament prophecies and they were identifying Jesus as being the coming Messiah. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover, but for more than that, Actually, Jesus was to be the Passover lamb. It's lovely today that we're going to have communion after the the message because it is really appropriate because we're thinking about the Lord. He's going, he's coming into Jerusalem with his eyes on the cross and to fulfill the ultimate sacrifice as the Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't that lovely? He himself would be that perfect sacrifice. 
for our sins. And we have this imagery, and I suppose artists and different people have tried to portray it, and nobody will know uh, exactly what the scene looked like, but I quite like this picture of uh, maybe something like what it would have looked like when Jesus was entering Jerusalem. On an interesting uh, position of, of riding on the colt, a donkey, and being surrounded by just lo- lots of people, huge numbers of people celebrating and waving as we, we heard about palm branches. Today's message is called The King Has Come. The King Has Come. So let's focus in on the verse 12 and 13 first of all. The triumphal entry, you'll see it's probably titled in your Bible. It's recorded in all four Gospels, so it's worth having a wee look across the Gospels. Does that not tell you as well that it's important? Uh, You see some stories that, uh, accounts of Jesus that one person, one one of the Gospel writers mention or a couple mention. And it's just, it's examples as the Lord was inspiring. Remember, this is the word of God and God has inspired every word in this book. There's no mistakes in this book. This is God's word. And I think that's a really important thing because in the world today, there are even religious people and even people who would label themselves as Christians who would say not every part of this is true, but we believe it's all true, every single bit of it. But God would inspire the different uh, writers to, to, to write from these different angles and different interpretations. But the triumphal entry, everybody wrote about it, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's significant. It's important. There's a deep meaning behind it for every single person. All the gospel writers to highlight it. And this was only the next day, a very short time period. So we've moved from last Sunday's message to this Sunday. But actually from what we talked about last Sunday with Jesus being at a dinner in celebration of him, in honour of him, alongside Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha, that was just the previous day. This is the next day after that. And as I've said previously as well, there's this great crowd building because they've heard about the miracle about Lazarus. They've heard about Jesus. They're recognising in some element at least that, 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 that this, is, this is a special uh, person. And what are they shouting? You read in verse 13, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. So this reaction from the crowd isn't negative at all. It's, it's very, very positive. It's a praise motion. And they're shouting, Hosanna. What do you think Hosanna means? It's became one of those terms that we would sing and, and maybe not fully understand the meaning of it. I know I didn't for, for years, but the, the Hosanna word literally means save. Save. Save us or save now. It's a cry for save me. And over time what's happened is that obviously as that was applied that day in an act of praise, it's been taken as a word of praise, quite rightly. But the, the root meaning is safe. So that they were really saying something very important there. They were saying to Jesus, save us. Save us. Save us from what? Well, the wee video said there, maybe, you know, some people thought Jesus was going to ride in in chariots and deliver the people from the Rome, uh, the Roman Empire that was there at that moment in time. They were looking at the external, weren't they? Just like we would... We think, well, the important thing right now is the external things. But God was doing something that was much more important. Remember the video said there, God had different plans. Because see that oppression of the Roman Empire? That was nothing compared to the oppression of Satan. And nothing compared to the oppression of sin, which causes that separation, that massive chasm between men and women and God. You see what I'm saying? 
That was the main problem. Not the fact that the people were under a tyranny of a Roman rule, but they were under a tyranny of sin. So, if we were in that crowd, we, we, we most likely would not have had a clue what was going to happen, but we would. they were at least recognising this is the saviour. This is the person that we believe is going to save us. And we're crying out to him. Uh, this is, and there's a deep meaning. We, we again probably don't fully understand um, how well taught these people were. You know, they would have been brought up with the Old Testament, the, to- the Torah. They would have known all of the prophecies about a coming Messiah. A coming saviour who was going to deliver them from their sins and bring about a new kingdom, new life to people. They would have all known that. They would have all been taught that from small all the way up. And then they say, it goes on, it becomes more clear that they're actually saying this. In verse 13 it says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is based on a well-known psalm, would have been to them, 118 verses 25 to 27. It's an image of pilgrims coming to the temple. And of course the temple was there in Jerusalem and was the centre of this uh, celebration of Passover and the priests would go and make that sacrifice of the Passover lamb it's a beautiful picture and an illustration of what Christ was actually coming to do uh, to, to save us to sacrifice himself so it says there uh, I'll just read it 118.25 O Lord save us O Lord grant us success you see that? O Lord save us O Lord Grant us success. We're talking about God here. We're talking about God himself. Lord save us. Lord grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. So we see there, there's a a heresy that does go about today in many circles of people that would say they believe the Bible or aspects about the Bible and they would say Jesus is a son of God or Jesus is a holy man or a prophet or one of those things but is the scripture not teaching us clearly here that this Lord is God, the same Lord that we're now seeing in a procession coming into Jerusalem the Lord is God it's really important actually that he is it's actually central to being a Christian it's central, we're not a Christian if we don't believe that Jesus Christ is God himself come in the flesh There's a scripture in the New Testament that says if we don't testify that God came in the flesh then we don't have God's spirit. So just when we're talking to people as well just a a wee bit, sometimes comes up you'll talk to people and they say yeah Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a good man. Uh, Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a great teacher. But that's not the point. And that's not the most important thing. Jesus is God. He's the Lord. And that's the part that changes everything. The Lord is God, verse 27, and he has made his light shine upon us. Who but God could shine a light? It's only God. God is light. And we're in darkness without him. Isn't that true? It says in John chapter 1, that the light of the world stepped into the world and the darkness didn't overcome it. Jesus himself is the light of the world because he's God. God is light. There is no darkness in God at all. Amen. So literally, it's like the light is coming in when Jesus is walking. When he is coming into Jerusalem, when he is seated on a donkey, the light of the world is who he is. That's who he actually is. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine upon us. 
And that's, the, that's actually the, the full depth of the meaning of what's happening when Jesus Christ is seated on a donkey walking into Jerusalem. It's not wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. But it's true. With bows in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. And they go further than that even. They've said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, verse 13. They also say, blessed is the king of Israel. So this is, you couldn't be clearer in a statement. If there was any doubt over what people were actually seeing in Jesus at this point in time and recognising in him, there can be no doubt here. They're saying, blessed is the king of Israel. That would have been a tremendously controversial statement. Remember the Pharisees and the religious leaders were already out to kill Jesus. And here he comes into Jerusalem, the headquarters of the, of the whole faith. And the people are shouting, blessed is the king of Israel. So first of all, I want you to see there that Jesus was, had, was strong and courageous for us. This was not an easy thing for him to do. It's not easy. It's a dangerous situation. But this is God we're talking about and God went all the way for us. It wasn't just at the cross that was hard for the Lord to face. Coming into Jerusalem was a hard thing like that. There was so many things against him, so many people against him. But he came because he loves us. Blessed is the King of Israel. So it's very clear. They're, they're, they're saying that this is God. This is the promised Messiah. That's actually what they're saying. They know their Bibles. They've read it. They've heard all the prophecies. And they're, they're, they're clearly saying this is the King. And they were waving the palm branches. The palm branches were symbols of kingship. Well known symbols of kingship that you would say. If I do that. If I'm waving those uh, and celebrating. I'm recognising the king. It's a wee bit like the queen uh, going by and giving the wee royal wave. And maybe slightly jesting in that. But there's a, the, the, there was a well known way of greeting the king. And Jesus doesn't deny any of it. Notice that as well. He doesn't say no I'm not the king. Uh, you've got me wrong. I'm not actually God. He didn't say any of that. He received that. He received it because that's who he was. He accepted the fact that they said, blessed is the king of Israel. So this is the king that's coming. Secondly, uh, we just see the entrance and we just focus on that at this point in time. Have a wee think about the entrance of this king of kings. First of all, the, the, the entrance of the king demanded a response from people and I would just apply that to us today how do we respond to the king how do we respond to the king because the only appropriate response to the king is to believe in him is to worship him is to shout, it starts by shouting Hosanna save me from my sins be my lord and saviour and that just automatically then leads on to thanksgiving and worship doesn't it Praise to the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're praising him and asking him to save them. There's a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. It's up on the screen there. About exactly how this is going to happen when the Saviour is going to come. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Is that not fulfilled to the letter in what Jesus did that day, coming into Jerusalem? Not even a detail different. A colt, the foal of a donkey, to the detail. Accurate. But 
You, you could say to me, well, anybody could have done that. Could they? Could anybody have fulfilled what was in that pros- prophecy? They could, not anybody could fulfill that prophecy. Yes, they could have sat on a donkey and they could have come into Jerusalem and there could have been a procession and people could have shouted some things at them, but they couldn't be what this scripture says because this scripture says that the king is righteous. Hands up, who's righteous without the Lord? Righteous definition is to be perfect, to be without sin, to be without sin. So if any other man had came in that position, could they say they were righteous? It says righteous and having salvation is he. This is no ordinary king. Every king that came before had been an earthly king. King David was said to be the greatest king that Israel ever had, wasn't he? But do you know what happened to King David? King David sinned quite dramatically and terribly. He confessed his sin to the Lord at a later time and the Lord forgave him. But like every man and woman that's ever lived in this world, every human, we've all sinned. Haven't we? So even the great King David, a man after God's own heart, failed and he needed a saviour too. And this promise... It was prophesied in the Old Testament said there'll be, a, there'll be a, the king is coming. <coughs> David is just a, a forerunner of what God's going to do. God's got a greater plan for a perfect, righteous king to come. One that has done no wrong. Hallelujah. That the that God of heaven would actually do that for us. That he would see all of our failings. Even the greatest of us, even the greatest kings in this world are nothing. Nothing close to, to what God's standard would be. But God loves us so much that he stepped down. The king stepped down to save us. He's always made a way, folks. He's always made a way for people to be forgiven. In the Old Testament, there was always a way. There was always a a, a sacrifice to be made, but it was never perfect. And we should be very thankful today that we do live in an era in which the the king has come. And we have something which is greater than what was there before. We have the fulfilment of God's plan, which is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, kings were anointed as well. The word Messiah is translated the Christ, so we would say Jesus Christ. Jesus was his name. Christ was his title. And Christ and Messiah, those two words are interchangeable. And they're referring, if you look at the root word, it means the Lord's anointed The Lord's anointed. But actually, if you dig a wee bit deeper, that word, the anointed one, or the Lord's anointed, really only referred to a king. You would only really use that word if if you're referring to a king. And it was because kings were especially always anointed with oil. Now that immediately made my mind spin back to what we were talking about last week, where Mary uh, poured oil on Jesus' feet as an act of worship and as an act of... Um, sacrifice, sacrificial praise and I think that's significant as well there was such an expensive gift poured out onto the king of kings and we read through the bible as, uh, as I said earlier on it's very clear and these people that we would be talking about in Jerusalem would have known the scriptures some examples of prophecies that came true in Jesus Christ to prove that he is the actual coming messiah Included all of the prophecies spoken about in the Old Testament. It said in Isaiah 7 verse 14 that the Messiah's mother would be a virgin. Did Mary not testify how blessed she was 
that God had done such a miraculous thing. She was a, a testimony of God fulfilling that prophecy. The Messiah would be great, it says in Isaiah 9, 67. Isaiah 53, verses 2 to 12, says in detail about how the Messiah would suffer, even describes some of the details which were fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. The Messiah would heal broken lives, Isaiah 61, 1-3. How many broken lives did Jesus heal when he walked this earth? And how many has he healed since he he died and rose again? The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2, an amazing prophecy actually because Jesus was from uh, Nazareth in, in Galilee and his parents were asked to go to a census in Bethlehem at the exact moment when he was born. So I suppose that you can say that's, a, that's the hand of God. That's the hand of God. You know, they were away from home, but they were exactly where God wanted them to be. And it was to fulfill that prophecy. That's a really important detail, that one. And it's one that most people didn't notice. See, a lot of these things, they, they only later on realised that every single detail about Jesus was fulfilled, was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Even the one, it says here in John, um, that the disciples didn't recognise at this time the, me- the full meaning and the fulfilment of the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. They didn't see it at the time. It was only later that they reflected and they saw it. So there's many examples like this in God's word to prove about the fact of who we're talking about here and about the fulfilment of the promises of God. All exactly fulfilled by Jesus. Every single one of the prophecies we read about in the Bible was fulfilled when Jesus came and lived his life and died and was resurrected. And of course there's some to come because as the video showed again, you know, Jesus is coming back again. Hallelujah. And there'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth. And we'll be given new bodies. And there's all these promises even yet to come. That while we experience, we can experience forgiveness of sins now, we also await a future coming day when we'll be resurrected to new life together, all that believe in Christ, when he comes again. So we can get really quite excited, can't we, about these things. But that all that we've said about God, all that we've said about who Jesus is, he humbled himself. He humbled himself, not only by coming in the flesh, walking on the earth but by being gracious and compassionate to people every day and by coming in such a way he came seated on a donkey it reflects his humble nature who God is so what's our response today and I'm just going to close uh, shortly what's the appropriate response to, to a message like this well first of all if we're not sure that we've made Jesus Christ the king of our lives the lord of our lives and we're not really sure that we've committed ourselves to him We really need to do that. It's step one. The people started by singing Hosanna. And in a very real sense, we have to start by saying, Lord, save me. Save me from my sins. Martha was confronted uh, by Jesus and he said to her these words. uh, This is from John 11.25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who came into the world. Can I just challenge you today? Do you believe Jesus is the Christ, God himself, come in the flesh for you? If you do, you can be saved today. You can receive him as your Lord and Saviour. Martha believed and set a good example for us. But remember, though, that in order for Jesus to fulfil this promise that he is the resurrection and the life, he didn't stop 
by entering Jerusalem. He went on to face the cross at Calvary. He went on to pay the price for our sins, to face death. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And it also tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So it was only the righteous one, this one we've been speaking about, Jesus God himself, he's the only righteous one. And he's the only one that could die as that perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. But Jesus didn't, it didn't stop there at the cross either. And next Sunday is Easter Sunday and we will, be, we will be celebrating afresh as we would do every Sunday. But especially Easter Sunday and an Easter Monday. As we remember, Jesus was buried in a tomb. But three days later, God raised him from the dead. He is, that's what makes him the resurrection and the life. He's alive. He's conquered sin and death. He's paid the price for sin. And because he is alive, we may also live new lives by faith in him. So just as we close, we do need to confess him for who he is. It's not enough just to say Jesus is good. I know about Jesus. Or Jesus was a prophet. It really has got to start by saying Jesus is the king. He's the God of heaven. And I recognise him for who he is. And I recognise him for what he's done. It says there in Romans 10 and 9, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember that, Sam? The Lord is God. So let's not get distracted. Let's just be really clear. Jesus is the Lord and God. And let's, let's just pray that we would all know that. We're praying for the children and for other people that we would know that over this Easter time as they would have an encounter with Jesus, that they will know that truth because it's, it's the truth that sets us free from our sins and gives us new life forever. <clears throat> Two steps. Confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. And if you've, like myself, if you've committed your life to the Lord at a, a much earlier stage, it's a fresh challenge to us. Who's in control? You know, I said earlier on when we were talking to the children, really the king is the one who's got authority. The king who's the one, is the one who should be in control of our lives. We should be submitting to his authority. Uh, and that means really practical things like, what do you want me to do, Lord? Where do you want me to live? What do you want me to work at? How do you want me to deal with this situation? And just submitting, like the people put the palm branches down, we would just submit to Jesus and just, to, and just say that Lord lead us in this particular situation, help us with this particular situation because you're the one that's the king and I'm asking you to help me with that so let's just uh, we'll, we'll, close, we'll close in prayer, we will be having communion just in a moment's time as we just reflect on this message, let's have a, a wee time of prayer just now. Father God we thank you for the, your word to us today we thank you for the truth that you are the king of kings and the lord of lords and Father, I pray that everybody in this room today would know that as the truth. That Jesus Christ is God himself. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we thank you for <coughs> the fact that you know what's best for us, Lord. And I have this, just that statement that you have got to be in control. And we would submit ourselves to you today, Lord, and bow down to you. And just admit that we need your help. We need your direction in our life. You need to be the one that's in charge. Because you're the king. So we, we would just sub submit ourselves to you Lord God. And ask you to lead us. And maybe there would be areas today that we would not know what to do. We would be struggling. But maybe we haven't submitted to the authority of our king. And just said Lord. I'm going to trust you. 
I'm going to give this situation to you because you're my king and you know what's best and you're the one that should be in control of my life. So we just do that today, Lord God, and I just pray you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to, 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 to know what it is for you to be leading us as we would trust in you as our Lord and King. In Jesus' name, amen.